Good afternoon. This is Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design Franchise, where we talk about anything that might be of interest to an embedded developer. I'm here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast, and this week my Embedded Executive is Dr. Phil Lesner, who is a Senior Vice President and the Chief Technology Officer for Kemet. Good afternoon, Phil. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, good afternoon, Rich. Um, so you're involved in some of these high-voltage analog-type things, and um, we're seeing some higher voltages uh, pretty regularly on embedded designs. Um, first of all, before I go further with the question, um, is that assessment accurate? Yes, uh, we're seeing uh, higher voltages and uh, higher frequencies and higher temperatures um, okay. on a lot of designs these days. Yeah, that's what I thought. So uh, that by itself doesn't seem to be that much of a concern, at least to me, because I don't have to do the design. But where it does become concerning is that the actual systems just keep getting smaller and smaller, and that causes higher densities. And when you mix the higher density and the smaller system with the higher voltage, that's the potential problem. So um, A, is that accurate? And B, what are some best practices that people should be aware of? Sure, yeah, that's, uh, that's very accurate. So as you, as you shrink the system, um, it's tougher to get the heat out um, and the temperature goes up. So that means uh, you need to, you know, carefully uh, select your components uh, so they have lower losses and also so that they can uh, stand the higher temperatures in the, in the more compact system. But that sounds, I mean, yes, that's the stuff that you read in a textbook. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into what the, what the real best practices are. I mean, obviously you want higher efficiencies, but that's far easier said than done. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, so some of the component choices are changing because of that. So in, in practice, so, you know, in the past, uh, for a lot of these high voltage applications, you thought film caps. Um, and films are still useful in a, in a lot of cases, but they have uh, some disadvantages with uh, with losses at higher frequencies and also some temperature limitations. Um, so now ceramic capacitors are starting to be used more and more in some of these uh, high power and high voltage applications. But we're always being pushed to do lower cost, lower cost, lower cost, and that would seem to be a disconnect there. So how do you deal with that issue? Yeah, so uh, it, it depends on the system. Um, in some cases, you know, film capacitors are, um, you know, the most cost-effective solution because you can make them by winding, and that's uh, done fairly uh, fairly fast. Um, in other cases, uh, you know, ceramics could be cost-effective, and in some cases, you know, you just can't meet the system requirements with a film capacitor and you need to, you know, choose a ceramic solution. Okay. Um, so let's get into more of the best practices then. Uh, I'm actually designing my board. Um, what are some things I should be on the, on the lookout for? Are there things like, uh, I mean, the obvious ones are don't put something that's hot, that's potentially hot next to something that can't get hot, but is, is, is there something a little more complex than that that people should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so they should uh, they should look well. What what are the uh, what are the space requirements? And then 
um, you know, what is the maximum temperature that the component's going to get to. So, for example, a capacitor, um, you know, the uh, temperature is generally generated by the ripple current uh, going uh-huh. through the, you know, the resist the ESR losses. Um, so you want to choose a low-loss component that has a, a high-temperature capability. And Chemet's actually released uh, some ceramic components recently based on some uh, Class One dielectrics that have extremely low-loss, meaning low ESR, and are also capable in some cases of, uh, of, of withstanding 150 degrees C. Uh, so they make uh, excellent choices for some of these uh, miniaturized systems uh, for high voltage. Very interesting. Okay. So do you see this problem getting worse rather than getting better as we go forward? Um, will the systems continue to get smaller? Yeah, systems, are, systems will continue to get smaller. One of the things that's driving that is the move from silicon to uh, wideband gap semiconductors like gallium nitride and silicon carbide. Um, so that allows you to get the junction temperature of the semiconductor up and, and shrink the system, which means everything else needs to shrink along with that. Um, and we're already seeing you know, gallium nitride being um, employed in some uh, AC wall charger you know, type of applications and silicon carbide in uh, automotive traction applications. Okay. What about the cooling techniques? You know, it's one thing to run the, um, the components cooler, but at some point you just have to get this thing cool. Um, are there best practices or are there common mistakes people make with respect to cooling? Yeah, so, um, you know, some common mistakes are, uh, you know, placing the component too close to the semiconductor. And, of course, there's a trade-off there because you want the, the, sometimes the lowest inductance between the semiconductor and the, and the component. And the farther you place it away, the, uh, the, the bigger the inductance is. So there's definitely a design trade-off, uh, design trade-off there. Um, in some cases, you know, the, there's some cooling uh, for, the, uh, for the power semiconductors, and you can take advantage of that for cooling uh, the, uh, some of the passive components that are, that are heating up. Um, so I think the, uh, you know, overall conclusion is you really got to look at the whole system design, and it's a, really an optimization problem between some of the electrical parasitics and, you know, the component placement. Okay. Um, and what exactly is the Kemet contribution here? So, they, so like I said, uh, Kemet um, has developed some what we believe are some unique uh, ceramic uh, capacitors um, that are suitable for very high power um, and high voltage uh, applications. So these are based on um, our C0G and U2J uh, class one dielectrics. Um, and like I said, some of the components are rated to 150 degrees C, and we have voltages available up to a thousand or 1,500, you know, volts DC. Um, so you could, uh, you know, place these components, uh, you know, close to the hot components on the board. Um, they're surface mountable, 
And we also have another technology called Chemit Connect, which allows us to stack uh, the ceramic components on top of each other, so you can actually uh, save a fair bit of board space by doing that. Very good, very good. Okay. Well, I think we've provided a pretty good service to our readers, at least a, a starting point, so, um, so they know where to go to get started. Yeah, actually, you can, uh, you can find that, you know, this on our website, of course. Um, you know, there's also been some, uh, some work by our customers that are published in the open literature where they've used uh, some of these uh, stack, we call them Chemit Connect, uh, capacitors. So Google has used this for a STC uh, converter for their servers um, and, and used this system, and that's, that's public information. Um, and we've also been designed into an onboard charger for a, for a WolfSpeed uh, project, um, and they've also published it. So, so people can go look at, uh, look at those publications and reference designs to get some hints of how the, the big guys have gone and done it. Very good. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to come on, Phil. Well, thanks, Rich, for having me on the podcast. That was Dr. Phil Lesner. He is a Senior Vice President and Chief Technology Officer with Chemet, and I'm Rich Nass with Open Systems Media. You have a great day, Phil. You too, Rich. Bye-bye.